Well, we've been enjoying a non-hurried walk through Paul's epistle, which we call 2 Corinthians. And in particular, we've been enjoying one of the most remarkable passages, not only in this epistle, but in all of the New Testament, chapter 4. Today we'll be focusing on verses 10 through 12, but I'm going to start in verse 7 this morning in my reading, just to remind you of where we've been, or if you're here for the first time, to see the context in which 10 through 12 is found. This is God's word. But we have this treasure in jars of clay to show that the surpassing power belongs to God and not to us. We are afflicted in every way, but not crushed, perplexed, but not driven to despair, persecuted, but not forsaken, struck down, but not destroyed. And here's where verse 10 begins. Always carrying in the body the death of Jesus, so that the life of Jesus may also be manifested in our bodies. For we who live are always being given over to death for Jesus' sake, so that the life of Jesus also may be manifested in our mortal flesh. So death is at work in us, but life in you. Now to understand this passage, you have to understand why Jesus came. Jesus came to die for sins. In a sense, he died our death in our place. He died so we might live. So now we live because he died. That's why Christians celebrate the cross, the death of Jesus. That's why we decorate with crosses. It's not because we morbidly are into death. It's because we love the life that his death brought us. I was talking to a member of this congregation a while ago, and she said something like this. I don't understand what's happening in my life. I feel so weighed down with the burdens and struggles that I feel like I'm drowning. I'm barely hanging on by my fingertips. I think a lot of Christians feel that way sometimes. I know I often do. And it's easy when you feel that way to start feeling cheated. By God, as if He's not there. He's just left you to try to carry this heavy weight, and you're barely able to hang on. Well, this is the kind of thing that Paul is talking about here in this passage. We are afflicted in every way, but not crushed, perplexed, but not driven to despair, persecuted, but not forsaken. Struck down, but not destroyed. We talked about this last week. 
But then in verse 10 through 12, Paul explains this experience more deeply. He says that we are carrying in the body the death of Jesus. So that the life of Jesus may also be manifested in our bodies. And then he elaborates more in verse 11 and 12. For we who live are always being given over to death for Jesus' sake. So that the life of Jesus may also be manifested in our mortal flesh. So death is at work in us, but life in you. So there are two dynamics at work in our lives. We're experiencing the death of Jesus... And we're experiencing the life of Jesus. It's not just that we're experiencing both death and life. This is relational. Christ is in us. And as he's in us, we experience his dying and we experience his coming to life. That's why we are afflicted in every way. But not crushed. That's why we're perplexed, but not driven to despair. That's why we're persecuted, but not forsaken. That's why we're struck down, but not destroyed. This tells us a lot about what it means to be a Christian. Is being a Christian adopting a certain worldview? Is it believing a certain group of doctrines? Is it following a certain moral code? It is so much more than any of these. Here we get a glimpse of what it means to be a Christian. It means that we are reliving the life of Christ. Or put it this way, Christ is reliving his life in our lives, in us. He is enduring his sufferings in us. He is upholding, empowering, and giving life to us in the midst of it by his power. The same power that raised Jesus from the dead. And the life and power he's talking about here are not after death, but during this life. It says we are always being given over to death for Jesus' sake so that the life of Jesus may also be manifested in our mortal flesh. When we die and have a new body, our flesh won't be mortal anymore. This is right now. This is where we are. The life of Jesus, in spite of the dying, is manifested in our mortal flesh. This ought to be seen as wonderful news. But sadly, in America, many Christians today don't want to hear this. They like the idea of the life of Jesus being manifested in our bodies, but not the idea of always carrying in the body the death of Jesus and always being given over to death for Jesus' sake. Their idea of the life of Jesus being manifested in our body means health and success upon success and victory upon victory. It doesn't mean that we are afflicted in every way. That we are perplexed, that we are struck down, that we're always carrying in the body the death of Jesus. 
They were always being given over to death for Jesus' sake. There are a number of important things for us to learn from this short passage. Number one, the normal Christian life is a life of affliction. Three times in three verses, he tells us that we are dying as we live. In verse 10, always caring about in the body the death of Jesus. Verse 11, we who live are always being given over to death for Jesus' sake. In verse 12, so death is at work in us. Last week we talked about how we are afflicted in every way. But now we see that these afflictions are a common fact of life. We see that death is, a, is constant for the Christian. Paul says this in verse 10 and then again in verse 11. Always caring about in the body the death of Jesus. Verse 11. Always being given over to the death to death for Jesus' sake. Arguing with these same Corinthians in his first epistle. When he was arguing with them about the truth of the resurrection. He gets intense at one point in the end of chapter 15. And he says, If the dead are not raised... Why in the world am I in danger every day? Why am I doing this if the dead aren't going to be raised? And then he blurts out, I die every day. And that's the experience of the Christian. We die every day. And that's, how, that's one of the ways we're supposed to think about our lives. It's dying every day. That's 1 Corinthians 15.31 if you want to look it up. Jesus himself said that if someone wants to be his disciple, he must take up his cross daily and follow him. That's Luke 9.23. You know, I, I remember once when I was just out of college, I was asked to speak at our church, uh, at uh, the, the Sunday school class for young married couples. I, we were newly married and they invited me to come and speak. So the, almost every person in the group was older than I was. And I was probably speaking to about 70 people. And, uh, and I taught on suffering and how suffering is a regular part of life. And boy, there were people there that were really angry at that concept and just, just were, you know, of course... It was easy for them to think that I didn't know what I was talking about because I was younger than them. But it, it, it is not something that people like to hear, but this is, this is what the Bible says. Suffering is not a rare, exceptional experience for a Christian. It's a regular part of life. God wants us to wake up every morning and remember this. Often we think that someday we might be called upon to die for Jesus. But the fact is... Jesus wants us to die for him every day. Now we live in a society which idolizes safety. You see, safety first, all over the place. And safety has its place. I'm not against safety. But it is not first. It is not first. The kingdom is first. The world says safety first. The Bible says 
Seek my kingdom first. We're not talking about Christian heroism or Christian superheroism. Those kind of things lead people to boast in their sufferings, to be motivated to do big and dangerous things for God in order to make themselves look heroic. Paul only talked about the things he'd experienced when love required it. And in 2 Corinthians, he's embarrassed to have to talk about the things, the sufferings that he's gone through. And he boasts in his weaknesses. The second thing that we can see in this passage is that in God's economy, God's economy is so different than human economy. In God's economy, death brings life. In verse 11, it says, For we who live are constantly being delivered over to death for Jesus' sake, so that the life of Jesus may be manifested in our mortal bodies. It says it twice, verse 10 and 11. We don't spend our lives for others so that we can think highly of ourselves or get human praise. We do it because in the economy of God, it brings us life. This is why we're willing to die every day. Because it gives us life. We're constantly being delivered over to death for Jesus' sake so that the life of Jesus may be manifested in us. We can taste of the resurrection power of Christ because we first taste of his crucifixion suffering. We can enter into his triumph because we first participate in his torment. The cross leads to the crown. The pain leads to the gain. It's like life-saving surgery. Now, I know some surgeries are, are, aren't this way, but, but, you know, many surgeries, they're very unpleasant. But the hope is that they're going to yield something positive and beautiful and healthy and full of life. Even though there's trauma and pain involved. And that's the way it is with our sufferings. The example of Jesus saving us through his death on the cross shows us that with God, death can be turned to life. That's how we can face afflictions and not despair. We don't just bear sufferings because we don't have any choice in the matter. We don't just bear sufferings because eventually they're going to end and we'll live a life of joy and peace in heaven. We bear sufferings because they produce life in us. We bear sufferings because God's power works through us in our weakness. We bear sufferings because the thing that holds us up and gives us joy is not a lack of suffering. It's the grace of God. All of the best and most precious 
things that God has done in my life, he has done through suffering. And I think we could stand and share and our stories and many people would say the same thing. Oh, the Lord brought, allowed some terrible thing to come upon us and yet the fruit that it bore in my life was something I would never want to go back and, and uh, do it all over again. I would never want to, it to be taken away even if it meant being spared the suffering. I'm so grateful that I have a Heavenly Father who loves me enough to use his heavenly scalpel with perfect precision and tender care but painfully to bring about the fruit in my life that he desires to bring about. The trouble is I love my life on earth. I don't always believe that the path of humility and self-denial leads to glory. And so, this is my battle every single day. Which path am I going to take? The easy one which leads to death or the hard one which leads to life? In my flesh, I want to do the easy things. But that path leads to death. I rarely feel like doing the hard things. But the hard path leads to life. Here's the point. The question I must face every day, the question I must ask myself every day, is not, do you feel like easy or do you feel like hard? But rather it is, do you want life or do you want death? Do you want life or do you want death? final point that I'd like to make is that the Christian life is a life of ministering to others. A life of ministry to others. Here in verse 12, Paul sort of introduces a new aspect of this. He's talked about how we get life out of dying, but in verse 12 he starts to talk about how we die so that others might live. He says, so death is at work in us, but life in you. Our sufferings are not only for Jesus' sake, they're for others. Does this sound familiar? Who else said this? Not the exact words, of course, but the concept. It's Jesus. Death works in me. But life works in you. That's what he said when he went to the cross. That's what the cross is all about. Our Savior achieved the glory of resurrection life by traveling the path of humiliation and suffering. But it wasn't merely for glory that he died. He died so that others might live. His death brings us life. 
Up until verse 12, Paul's focused on dying as a means of coming to life. But now he shifts to speaking of death as a means of bringing others to life. And particularly the the Corinthians that he's talking to. Death works in us, death works in me and in my fellow uh, workers, but life in you. In essence, Paul is saying here, I'm happy to die so that you may live. He says this other places as well in this epistle. In chapter 12, verse 15, he says, I will most gladly spend and be spent for your souls. I will most gladly spend and be spent for your souls. And in 13.9 he says, We rejoice when we ourselves are weak, but you are strong. The way Paul is dying for the Corinthians here is different than the way Jesus died for the Corinthians, of course. His is not an atoning death that takes upon itself the sin of others. Rather, Paul is embracing the constant death of self-denial, of risk, of rejection, of danger, of maltreatment, of humiliation, of physical abuse, in order that the Corinthians might enjoy the life of living in the light of Christ, in wholeness and in hope. He's dying in order that he might proclaim the gospel which brings life to them. This is what it means to walk in love. It means being happy to die so that others may live. Jesus said this, we know love by this, that he laid down his life for us. And we ought to lay down our lives for the brethren. This isn't something which happens just to certain people. If Christ is in us, then we will be living for others. Even suffering for others. Because Christ is living his life in us, and that's what he does. The spirit of Christ's love in a person says, I'm happy to be inconvenienced if that will help you. I'm happy to give up what is mine in order to benefit you. I'm happy to go out of my way in order to give you a blessing. I'm happy to die in order that you might live. You know, this is why we're here. This is why you and I are here. Remember the little passage in Philippians 1 where Paul is struggling with whether he wants to die or, and go be with Jesus or whether he wants to stay? And he really would prefer to die because that would mean being with Jesus and, and the gain of that. But he knows that God wants him to stay. Why? So that he can bless others, so that it can be useful to others. That's why Paul was left here and not taken to Jesus. And that's why you and I are left here. It's best for us, of course, just personally, if we go to be with Jesus. But our lives are not for ourselves. They're for Christ. And Christ in us wants to pour out our lives for others. 
One of the things pastors talk with each other about a lot these days when they get together is the enormous number of Christians who've given up on church, who feel like they've been burned by their church experiences and have lost their appetite for church, not just for a particular church, but for church in general. Aren't you glad that our salvation was dependent on the perseverance of our faithful Savior and not the perseverance of the modern Christian? Suffering and struggle, they're a part of ministry. It's a part of church life. Church isn't about us. The Christian life is a life of ministry to others. When we think about church, we should think about how we can bless and serve others according to the gifts and the resources and the opportunities that God provides for us. Christ is in us, loving others through us, spending our lives for others, for his glory. Here's how Paul put it in Philippians 1.17. And with this I end. Even if I am being poured out as a drink offering upon the sacrifice and service of your faith, I rejoice and share my joy with you all. He's pouring out his life joyfully for them in love. Just like Jesus. Because, not because Paul was so like Jesus. I mean, Paul was a murderer. He hated Jesus. Is because Jesus was in Paul. Now we come to celebrate this one who was in Paul. This one who sacrificed his life. The one who fills us with his spirit and leads us to be willing to sacrifice our lives for others. Let us come to him in prayer. Lord Jesus Christ, we give praise to you that you have come, that you came out of love, that you came willingly giving your life away that no one took it from you, but you laid down your own life as a sacrifice for us. We thank you, dear Lord, that you, by your Spirit, dwell within your people. And Lord, we want to be those who are fully under the sway of your Spirit. We don't want to be drunk with this world's delicacies and treasures we want to be filled with the spirit we pray now O lord that as we come to you that by your grace we would come humbly gratefully to receive the precious gift that you give yourself we pray in jesus name amen